production and audio editing brought to you by Richard Borger with Meraki Recordings. Yeah. Yes, they're happy that, uh, that uh, my sister and I uh, yeah. kind of got out of the, the restaurant industry because it's, it's very enslaving. You don't, you don't really have a life there. Uh, Margarita Mendizabal, partial owner of Lemon Tree, preps desserts while her husband, the other owner, cooks the meals for one of the most authentic Peruvian restaurants in Houston. We sit with Margarita's son, Augusto, as he recounts and translates his parents' stories. Through love and passion, they built restaurants in Peru and ultimately decided to take a risk and create a restaurant in America to build a better life for their kids. With little knowledge of the language and without many friends or family in the area, they managed to build a life that produced successful careers for their kids. We discuss what it means to leave the family business, the emergence of Peruvian cuisine in the culinary space, the transformation of Houston over time, and what it takes to bridge the gaps between cultures. Augusto shares relatable recountings and amusing anecdotes that remind us we aren't all that different after all. Stay with us as we discover the culture and cuisine of the Peruvians. Welcome to Culture and Cuisine, the podcast, where we are increasing cultural awareness and empathy within the Houston community through conversations with restaurants from different cultural backgrounds. And with these conversations, we can see through to the shared humanity within us all and begin to realize that we're all out there trying to find happiness, success, and survive. And just like cuisine, we all do it a little differently based on how we were raised. I'm your host, Casey Hirschman. Today, we're with Augusto Mendizabal, son of the owner of Lemon Tree. Uh, my name is Augusto Mendizabal. I am the son of the owner, who is Margarita Mendizabal. And my in-the-field co-host, Matt Kanowski. And I'm Matt Kanowski. Coming to you from Lemon Tree's location in the Energy Corridor, Augusto begins telling us how his family has been in the restaurant business for generations in Peru. He shares with us the foundation of what led to its parents' romance and ultimately initial restaurant opening. Uh, growing up in Peru, my family is from a uh, central coast city of Peru. Um, that a very we have a very traditional type of cuisine called criollo, comida criolla, uh, which is kind of the traditional, uh, very traditional, um, very traditional cuisine of, of Peru. And we actually owned a restaurant right in front of the beach. Um, just two doors down from our house but wow. <laughs> uh, my parents my mom got into the restaurant business because of my grandmother my grandmother used to supply desserts for one of the biggest clubs in in the area um, mm. and well my grandparents uh, my granddad nothing to do with that but she was always involved in desserts and she was always a sweet on the sweet side and my dad growing up was always interested on on cooking I guess all the salt all the salt dishes all the regular dishes uh, because of my grandma as well on my dad's side and when they when they met and married and they got married it was just a perfect match uh, my dad is the head chef of the restaurant he handles all the all the main menu and my mom does all desserts all of our desserts are homemade um, they're made fresh every every day uh, I guess that's one of our uh, one of the things that attracts our customers the most everything's fresh everything's uh, everything's made at the moment you order it Augusto's parents owned three restaurants in Peru. 
However, they decided to leave that in order to come to the U.S. for their kids' college education. They chose Houston because they had friends in the city. They just decided to uh, roll the dice. And uh, they came here without having any clientele. We knew a few people. We knew uh, close friends from the same city that were already in Houston. Uh, in Houston, so it wasn't. Uh, I guess the start wasn't from scratch when it comes to you know coming to a different city where you don't know anybody. But it was definitely from scratch. We didn't have any clientele. Uh, but slowly after coming here, we started noticing that people actually did know us and did recognize us from from Peru. Because uh, a lot of people from that area were actually moving here at the time. Oh, wow. Very popular city because of medical center. Very popular city because of oil and gas. And we just started finding more and more Peruvians that were asking, you know, where's the Peruvian food? Mm-hmm. And back then, there were barely any restaurants open. Mm-hmm. I think it was only two restaurants, Pescalato and the other one, I can't remember the name, but barely any Peruvian restaurants in the area. Augusto's parents didn't jump straight to a brick-and-mortar location, however. He shares how they got their start in Houston. So my parents actually started, um, I guess you can say the restaurant, uh, cooking uh, menus uh, for, um, for lunch rush for offices around the area at, at the house. Oh, wow. uh, people would start spreading the word and uh, you would have to call a day in advance to, <laughs> to go and they would come by and they would pick up their menus. And once they felt comfortable with the clientele, uh, they decided to go for it and open the restaurant. And that was... 13 years ago now. Naming a restaurant, especially in another language and culture, is always a tough decision. Augusto explains how the name Lemon Tree was chosen for the restaurant once it opened. My parents always knew uh, coming here they did not want to depend on on the Peruvian clientele. I mean, they always figured how many Peruvians are, actually live in the area. And they wanted, obviously, to branch out. I mean, a restaurant's not going to be successful if you only focus on Peruvians. They wanted to go further than that and, and, and attract U.S. clientele and other countries. So we knew it was going to be English, something in English, nothing that had to do with Peru. We didn't want to name it Inca or anything like that, um, and nothing that relates to Peru. So we were actually <laughs> in the car thinking of names, and uh, there's most of our dishes, almost all of our dishes contain lime, uh, lime juice in them, ceviches and, and whatnot. Yeah. Um, so we thought about the lime tree, but then, then we said, well, that doesn't sound as good as the lemon tree. And we also thought about the song. <laughs> I was like, okay, you know, lime tree, lemon tree, yeah, let's just go with lemon tree. Yeah. <laughs> and actually lemon sounds more like limon in, in Spanish. Oh, yeah. And lima sounds more like lime, which is, they're, back, they're backwards, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Does, is your clientele now? We have our, Peruvian? no, uh. We don't have as many Peruvians as we do of Venezuelans, a oh, lot, Colombians, oof, a lot of Colombians, yeah. and obviously American, a lot of American yeah. Uh, yeah. clientele. We asked Augusto what it was like for his parents building a business in a place where they didn't know the language. It was challenging, um, but not as much as you think, mm-hmm. since my, my mom was always, the, like I mentioned, always part of the dessert side, and, mm-hmm. and she would always run the restaurant. Uh, and she got help, a lot of help from our accountant, which, which is American and speaks oh, Spanish okay. and English. Mm-hmm. And my dad was always on the, on the side. He was the head chef. He didn't need to speak mm-hmm. to anybody. Okay. Uh, so most of our uh, waitresses and waiters, uh, they speak English and Spanish. Mm-hmm. So there was really no issue uh, communicating there. 
The only issue is when you have a customer come in and they want to talk to the chef or something, and they're like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and yeah, then here comes the sun to save them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking about all the, even just, like, permits and, like, all the random paperwork and stuff. That's but, where uh, my sister and I came in, and, yeah. and we, we helped as much as we could uh, yeah. back from high school. Wow. I went to high school right down the road, Stratford High School. Okay. And I used to work here almost every weekend, every day wow. after school, come here and work and help all my parents. Mm. Did you know English when you moved here, or you just had to learn real quick? <laughs> I went to a British school in Peru. Oh, okay. uh, So I learned English uh, very young, and when I came here, it was it just clicked. So what, what were some of the biggest differences moving from Peru, going to a British school there, and then coming to the United States, specifically being in Houston? I went to a British school, but you can't compare. I mean, the English, I guess I got the fundamentals of it uh, back back there. And when I moved here, I say everything clicked. Uh, I actually started in ESL, and for some reason, I was only there for a semester. And they took me out. Um, I guess it's not, uh, the challenges are always the unexpected. Uh, not what you would expect, like you said, English barriers, not at all. Um, the challenges for us were getting our name out there. Mm -hmm. um, since we were only known to the Peruvian community, and that's not what we wanted, mm -hmm. uh, I guess the biggest challenges, and it took a while, is getting our name out there, you know, mm -hmm. spreading the word, and it's hidden, we're behind a, yeah. an ADA flowers. <laughs> so it's literally a hole in the wall. Uh, yeah. it's, that was our biggest challenge, getting, the, getting our name out there. Houston has evolved drastically from the 65% white-dominated oil town of the 80s. In 2010, we were announced one of the most diverse cities in the nation, and by 2020, we are expected to see a nearly equivalent percentage of whites to Latinos. With that, we discuss what the Peruvian community looks like in Houston today compared to the past. It's grown a lot. Um, when we first came here, uh, we had Definitely our numbers were, <laughs> were very low. Um, just a lot of people from oil and gas have been uh, migrating to Houston. Uh, a lot of people will come here because of the medical uh, medical center, uh, unfortunately for cancer, uh, for other reasons. And they end up staying. They end up staying uh, because they feel more comfortable here. It's a, a better lifestyle. You have, uh, it's safer, uh, you have more opportunities. And they end up investing in businesses here and um, I mean, look at Katie. Katie is is a very big uh, Latin community, especially Venezuela. Yeah. Wow. I mean, Katie is, they call it Ven uh, Katie's Vela. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they really do. Bad, they, yeah. <laughs> they call it Katie's Vela. <laughs> and uh, most of the Peruvians that, uh, that were here and they started migrating went to Katie. Even with all of the great elements of Houston, one always misses certain elements from home. Augusto shares what he misses the most about his hometown in Peru. Oh yeah, uh, family, friends. Yeah. Um, I guess the part of the lifestyle uh, we we grew up on the beach. Uh, yeah. It's it's very different. We grew up on a private beach in, in south of Trujillo, which is a small small city in, in Peru. It's just nothing like it. Everybody, it's a very close community. Everybody knows each other. Um, at least for us, it was uh, it was it's very different. You come here in a huge city, you barely know anybody. Um, it's definitely, definitely it takes a lot to to get used to. Yeah. Tell me that Galveston Bay doesn't compare. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> definitely not. Definitely not. That's one of the things that that I missed the most. I mean, I came here when I was 11 years old, and ever since I was five years old, I would surf every day. 
Uh, I would live on the beach, uh, get out of school, go direct straight to the beach. And yeah. we're so close to the equator that you don't really have a, um, you don't have a winter. Uh, so it was uh, actually through here, it was called the, um, the everlasting spring city. We transition into a discussion on the typical cuisine and dishes of Peru and how they incorporate that into the restaurant. Uh, like I mentioned, we're from the coast. So a lot of our cuisine is ceviches, is, is mainly ceviches and, and criollo, mixed criollo. When I say criollo, um, like I said, it's, the, it's very traditional Peruvian food. Um, we wanted a menu that was, it had a little bit of everything and a, a lot of it mixed, a lot of mixtures. Uh, we didn't, we tried to stay away from 100% seafood menu. Obviously, there's people that are allergic or that don't like it. So uh, there are dishes. There were dishes in, in, in the Peruvian uh, cuisine that were chicken or beef uh, that we incorporated, and um, we just started building a menu from that. I still say that our menu is way too big for the restaurant, <laughs> but our our clients love it, and they love that the menu is so big, and they look at all the dishes and they they recognize every single plate. Uh, we have gotten a little creative and we have a few dishes that are not you can't find them anywhere in Peru but um, a few dishes that my dad invented uh, one that I invented <laughs> so it's uh, it's definitely uh, a challenge when you have this small of a restaurant with that big of a menu recently Peruvian food has featured fusions with many different cuisines we discuss where that began the boom started with Gaston Acurio do you guys know who Gaston Acurio? Yes, I watched a, a documentary about him, maybe mm-hmm. on Netflix. He's, he's the guy that yeah, I do not. So he's the, he's the, he's the guy that uh, started it all, and he was actually one of the best chefs in the world. He was one of the best chefs in the world up until a couple of years ago, and he's the one that started all these big restaurant chains opening in Colombia and Argentina and Brazil, and re- he's the one that really started getting um, Peruvian cuisine out there. Uh, so because of him is that now you have all these fusions. Um, for example, a buddy of mine was just in uh, Puerto Rico and he, w- he was eating at a Peruvian restaurant which, is, which was a fusion between Puerto Rican cuisine and Peruvian food. And you started, because of him, you started seeing all these restaurants pop up everywhere. Gaston Acurio turned Peruvian food gourmet in 1994 and introduced the world to the possibilities of the cuisine. Since then, Peru has produced many chefs that are considered some of the best, most important chefs in the world today. We continue to discuss how this has impacted people's desire for Peruvian cuisine today and how they deal with that in their restaurant. People are definitely more interested and they're intrigued mm-hmm. by Peruvian cuisine. It's so, it's so wide and it has so many dishes. Yeah. Uh, that's why we have specials. Uh, we'll have a special every everyone's every day, once a month, um, and we'll have chifa, for example, which is a, uh, it's a mix of Peruvian cuisine and Chinese food. Interesting. And it's, we have a big uh, Asian community in Peru. So uh, they came up with a, a new type of cuisine called chifa. Huh. And we do a special of that once a month, and it's very good. Uh, yeah, I had no idea that Peru <laughs> <Yeah>. had Asians. <laughs> yeah. And we'll do a criollo special, for example, which will focus on just uh, criollo dishes that are not on the menu. We have Actually, we have a few uh, criollo uh, dishes on the menu, but mm-hmm. they take a lot longer to prepare. 
uh, it's not as easy. Um, plus, it's something that only a Peruvian will recognize. Uh, so you say ceviche, everybody knows what a ceviche is. Yeah. And you say ají de gallina, most likely somebody that's been to Peru has had ají de gallina. One of our most, um, I guess, one of our most sold dishes is called lomo saltado, which is a sauteed tenderloin with onions and tomatoes. That's a mix of Peruvian and Brazilian cuisine. Mm. But we have a lot of a lot of mix in our in our menu. In our menu. What are you, you mentioned um, that there's a lot of blends, but what are some of the hallmarks of traditional Peruvian cuisine aside from? You know, obviously you guys are specializing a little bit uh, in seafood because you're from the coast. But, um, yeah, when someone thinks of traditional Peruvian food, what are some of the flavors or the techniques that go into making that so special? Everybody thinks of Peru and they think of guinea pig. It's, uh, <laughs> that's, a, uh, that's a given. But that's, that's on, they don't realize that that's only a dish that they serve in the, in the, in the Andes, in the mountains. Mm. Uh, so it's... Um, it's not something you're going to see everywhere in, in Peru. Uh, I don't know for some reason they associate Peru with guinea pigs. <laughs> <laughs> I've never I'm Peruvian. I've never had a guinea pig. I go to Peru. I travel to Peru a lot. Um, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Are there like specific flavors too? With uh, a lot of peppers. We have okay. pepper. But oh God, let's see. Let me see what I how I can explain this. We are the worst. We have the worst cuisine when it comes to mixing carbs. <laughs> All of our food is rice and potatoes, uh, rice, potato, and beans. Always, always. We have hundreds of different types of potatoes, and oh, wow. <laughs> everything is mixed with rice. All of our dishes is uh, they're mixed with rice. Wow. Um, we have God, I don't know I don't know how many how many types of peppers we have in Peru. Mm. Um, those are used mainly for uh, for ceviches and. You see, you go to Peru and there's a type of ceviche called tiradito. And now with this whole boom of Peruvian cuisine, everybody's inventing new types of tiraditos with these new peppers that are, that are, uh, that are coming up. Mm. So there's a lot of variety and it's, it's growing a oh. lot. Today's cuisine is usually based in yesterday's memories and celebrations. We ask Augusto about the traditions and food they associate with their family in Peru. We have um, Fiestas Patrias, uh, which is uh, kind of like uh, Independence Day here. It's towards the end of July. Um, Peru's Independence Day is uh, July 28th, and they celebrate it with uh, during the entire week. It's called Fiestas Patrias. You have a day for uh, for the I guess uh, música criolla, which is uh, the criolla music, and. I guess I keep saying criollo, criollo, you guys really don't know what it is. Um, <laughs> I don't really know how to explain it. Uh, it's Those are your very traditional dishes that you see at home growing up. Mm-hmm. Your ají de gallina, your arroz con pollo. Um, those are, I mean, I guess the backbone. Uh, growing up and you, you see a regular, uh, a normal family, and you come home and you're going to see papa la huancaína, you're going to see tamales. Um, for breakfast, you're going to see... Uh, like fried pork with mm. with onions it's just those that's the traditional food yeah. uh, and that's all you eat during during uh, uh, during <laughs> the independence day yeah. does your mom have any like specific memories like why desserts or why she wanted to cook or anything um growing up my, my mom um 
I guess she saw my, my grandma uh, mm. making desserts. Uh, she was a distributor of desserts for the city, okay. uh, for the city's club. Um, she knows, I mean, she yeah. all, all of her recipes for the, for her desserts are from my grandma, They're my oh, grandma's okay. recipes. Okay. Todas tus recetas son de, de mi abuela. Some she's she's learned on the way. Uh, she's mm-hmm. come up with a, a few on her own, but mostly it was because of my grandma. She always saw my grandma making desserts at the house. Mm-hmm. Um, over there is very traditional. Uh, you have a uh, the wife stays at home with the kids, um, so she always saw my grandma working from home. The the name the cuisine uh, criollo. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so where where does that originate from, uh, and and I guess where do, where does the cuisine itself originate from? Is it uh, more indigenous, or is it come as a result of kind of a blend of Latin American flavors? It's Norte, Peru, no? No, it's Costa, Peru. But it's, but it's Costa. origin, origin. Costa. La costa, Costa Norte o, o todo Costa Perú? Costa es Lima, en Lima, casi Lima. So it's criollo is mainly mainly focuses on uh, coastal, coastal mm. Peru. Um, you are going to see it, it's you have <coughs> dishes that are from the coastal Peru, dishes that are from the Andes, and dishes that are from uh, the uh, the Amazon. Uh, wow. Iquitos, and, uh, but it's criollo is mainly uh, coastal cities. Mm. Augusto speaks with his mom to further understand the origin of the coastal cuisine and how prevalent it is in the rest of Peru. Mm-hmm. Like I said, every region has its has its uh, has its food, mm-hmm. and um, everybody knows uh, Criollo to be from the coast, and that's where all the major cities are. Um, so basically, it's always been there. It's always uh, been a tradition for the coastal cities. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and I can't really say it's a part of the ingredients, like you said, uh, uh, the fishing, uh, which is very, very, very popular in Peru. Uh, in Peru, criollo doesn't involve any seafood whatsoever. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. No seafood. <laughs> wow. Casi no tiene comida de mar. I think you have only a few, a few dishes that are that are seafood, but mainly, it's mainly. Um, it's um, una comida antigua, tradicional. It's mainly beef, uh, chicken, pork, and um, lamb. There we go. We begin discussing what cultural aspects they brought with them to America. And as with many Latin American cultures, Augusto expresses family values as their core belief. Even with the distance, they continue frequent communications and visits to their vast family back home. With that, we ask about Augusto and his sister's decision to not partake in the family business and what his mom thinks about that decision. Oh, they're happy. They are, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yes, they're happy that, uh, that uh, my sister and I uh, yeah. kind of got out of the, the restaurant industry because it's, it's very enslaving. You don't, you don't really have a life there. Uh, my mom enjoys it. My dad enjoys it. You really have to love it to be able to to really own own a restaurant uh, if you want to be involved in, yeah. in a restaurant. Uh, I grew up with it. I knew uh, from the start I didn't want to. Yeah. I didn't want a part of it, and so did my sister. Yeah. Uh, my sister's a chemist. I'm a petroleum engineer, so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I guess. Really got far away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's, I mean, that's why they came, right? So that y'all mm-hmm. could have those opportunities. So that's, they must be very, as proud. That we got away. <laughs> they love it. You really have to love it to have a restaurant. Um, my mom absolutely loves being here. 
24-7. She loves dealing with clientele. Mm -hmm. uh, she's happy that most of her clientele speak Spanish. Uh, from different countries, yeah. they speak Spanish, so she can really interact with them. Uh, and I mean, she says she doesn't speak English, but she she can hold her own. Yeah, I could tell. I was <laughs> yeah. like, she she said that pretty well. Yeah, she, she, she can hold her own. <laughs> After discussing what they have brought from Peru, we ask in turn what they have learned from America. We've really gotten used to celebrating Thanksgiving now, <laughs> and you see uh, nobody celebrates Thanksgiving in, in in South America, but now you see all these. Uh, Latin families, not only Peru, but uh, Venezuelans and, and Colombians. Um, it's one of our busiest times. Everybody wants to order food for you know family dinners and uh, family parties, and um, I guess it's just something that we've kind of we fell into tradition. Now for us, it's like oh Thanksgiving. No, that's a family holiday. We got to be all together. <laughs> and back in Peru, they don't even know about it. So right. uh, I guess that's, that's cool. one one thing one thing that's. Have you have you ever felt that there has been um, either a misunderstanding or that you have felt misunderstood uh, not having been born uh, in the U.S.? I can see it happening with with a lot of people come migrating to the U.S. Mm -hmm. For me, uh, for me and my sister at least, it wasn't really wasn't. We came here such a young age. Mm -hmm. um, I integrated instantly. Mm -hmm. um, played football, played tennis. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's it was it was easy for me for my parents yes definitely the uh, um, obviously language barrier because uh, even though yeah they ran their business but you're still dealing with the rest of uh, rest of your day and uh, everybody else so it was definitely the language barrier for them was a uh, was tough uh, on their day to day yeah did she have any like stories maybe specifically that like of an instance like that a misunderstanding or like. Even if it's like a funny story about something that happened. Yes, or... uh, she bought a computer one time. Uh -huh. uh, it was like our first year, first or second year here. Uh -huh. And she could not get this computer to work. She, every time she would turn it on, it would turn off. So my, my sister and I were in, were in school, and she she called customer services. She had just purchased it. She called customer service to uh, see if she could get some help, and they didn't have any, anybody that spoke Spanish. So she was stuck trying to explain what was wrong with the, uh -huh. with the computer. So she, all she said was, I think it was a turn on computer, bye bye. So we came back and she told us the story. We're like, oh my god! So all she could say, turn on computer, bye bye. <laughs> <laughs> did, the, did the computer get resolved? <laughs> uh, it did once we got back. We actually, we actually called customer service. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> we close with a discussion on what we can all do to learn and understand each other a little better. Augusto shares a story with us to really help drive home the point that all it takes is being willing to bridge the gap and learn about the person across the table from you to break through the barriers we see in society today. And it's funny because we have a, uh, a very, very traditional American bar next to us. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's we've been here for uh, 13 years. They've been here for about 20. Mm -hmm. um, it's been a, definitely a, 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 a struggle uh, yeah. <laughs> dealing with both, both sides because uh, they had no idea what, what Peruvian cuisine was. Mm. 
but from I mean slowly they've been you know getting curious and they see the restaurant packed and they want to know what everybody's enjoying so much so slowly they've been coming in our restaurant and, and, and ordering food and asking what's good and asking for recommendations so um, the ones that actually did open up and, and wanted to investigate a little bit ended up loving the, uh, the cuisine here and they, the regulars now Wow. Uh, so awesome. it just takes a little bit of initiative from both sides, really, yeah. uh, to to integrate. Yeah, I love that. I think that's a perfect yeah. kind of example of, you know, what we're trying to create, too, is like, once you open up and learn about things and interact with people and understand, it's, you either find out that, you know, like with cuisine, you find out that maybe you like it. Yeah. Or learning from people like we're not that different after all, you know. Yeah. I guess people just have to get over that the language barrier. They yeah. focus too much on it. Yeah. Maybe I had a chance to get over to the bar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, my, my, my brother-in-law, I'm a big sports fan, and, and my brother-in-law and I used to go over there and watch college football all the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So. <laughs> That's awesome. I think I'm all set. I'm really looking forward to whatever. Me too. I am too. (laughs) I was like creeping through pictures online. The dessert looks really good. (laughs) I was actually going to get something criollo out here so you guys Uh, guys are probably sick of hearing the word. I was going to get something criollo out here so you guys could try it. Oh man, that, hey, that'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna fight that, yeah. <laughs> hey, take, we'll take care of you guys. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, it's absolutely. been really great. Yeah. No problem. We're glad to help. Yeah. Okay. Production and audio editing brought to you by Richard Borger with Meraki Recordings.